Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. It is the Kendall and Casey show. I'm Rob Casey's out today. Ethan Hatcher from Saturday night on the circle in for Casey. And it's pretty much all Trump today. Again, I would just think the level of the story deserves dedicating much of the show to. I think it is. I don't think I know it is an unprecedented event in American history. Uh, it is a very dangerous event in American history. Uh, it, it has the potential to have very scary ramifications. And so we're trying to get you everything you need to know from as many voices as possible. And Ethan, there's so many layers to this. Obviously, there is the layer, which is probably at the top, which says the criminal justice system is now being corrupted by politics to a level in which a person will be put on trial because of who he is politically. Yeah. Who do you think is uh, happiest that Trump was indicted, the Democrats or Trump? Well, that's a good question, right? Because that's a, that's actually a re- that's actually a really good question. Because the Democrats, you asked me earlier, what do the Democrats want out of this? They want the they want the instant gratification. I don't think there's some long term play here, uh, because I think many of the Democrats who actually make the choices, the lunatic fringe base, are not the people making the choices. The power brokers who call the shots would much rather run against Donald Trump than Ron DeSantis. The negatives on Trump, the ability to run against Trump, it's far greater than Ron DeSantis. So this idea that well, it's some concoction to get rid of Trump. No, they just hate Trump and they want to punish him as much as possible and they want to make his life as miserable as possible but it's not about the election because the people who actually know what's going on fear DeSantis and his ability to win votes in swing states far more than they would Donald Trump. However, I think they're the crazy maniacs who in many ways are the loudest voices in the room in the Democrat Party desperately want this mugshot. They desperately want this trial. They think they're going to accomplish something by this. All of that being said, I think in this moment, Trump is probably the more happy person because he is getting everything he wants, which is sympathy from the Republican Party, sympathy from the Republican voter, sympathy from the Republican base at a time where it appears he's about to have a very viable challenger for this nomination. Is it the mugshot they want? Because it seems like he, they're not going to get the uh, picture of Trump in the handcuffs, which I think they were really after. I mean, at this point, Trump's going to have to stop by a sex shop on his way down to New York, <laughs> turning himself in and get his own pair of handcuffs. Well, the you're, you're operating from the standpoint that you're dealing with people who are think through things logically right right i mean and democrats it, are not one for the logic now <laughs> now here's what here here is where trump and, and i would do this if i were trump and trump is smart so he probably will i would sell the hell out of that photo of the mugshot people will make uh, trump could make a gajillion dollars doing that he needs to publish it as a trump nft there you go so th- there's that layer of that which is we should all you whether you're political non-political republican democrat libertarian whatever you should take an interest in this and care about this and be alarmed by this because it is a new frontier in which we now have prosecutors who are supposed to be blind and let the truth follow the follow the truth wherever it goes and that's what they decide they are now weaponizing they're openly weaponizing their office against people for political purposes so there's that but there's also the political side of this 
in which Donald Trump, it appears, is about to have a very viable challenger to his position atop the Republican Party, which is Ron DeSantis. And how does what happens to Trump affect Ron DeSantis and some of the other also Rans who are trying to elevate themselves up and become contenders in this primary. Well, I think Ron is playing this well by refusing to cooperate in the New York strong arm tactics of turning Trump over. And he may not have to because it looks like Trump is probably going to turn himself in. Um, but uh, but I think that by making a stand and coming out in front of this politically, he is spinning this the right way. And also, it's going to make it damn hard for Trump to badmouth uh, Ron DeSantis when Ron is refusing to participate in the ter- Trump indictment. So here's what DeSantis put out on Twitter yesterday. He put the weaponization of the legal system to advance a political agenda turns the rule of law on its head. It is un-American. The Soros-backed Manhattan District Attorney has consistently bent the law to downgrade felonies and excuse criminal misconduct, yet now he is stretching the law to target a political opponent. Florida will not assist in an extradition request given the questionable circumstances at issue with this Soros-backed Manhattan prosecutor and his political agenda. Good on him. Yeah, and... Here is what people are people are going. It's over for everyone. Trump will win running away. You you have no idea about that politics. It is a lifetime between now and when the first votes in Iowa are going to be counted. You don't know that. And here is why I like DeSantis, because thus far through the Trump political minefield, I feel he has navigated it very well. And you have to think about this race. This we'll just talk about the primary, this primary like a horse race. And what I mean by that is you very rarely see wire-to-wire winners. You think about the Kentucky Derby. Who wins a lot of the time? It's the horse that may be middle of the pack. Maybe they're even laying back a little bit. And that race doesn't even really start until that third turn. And now here we go. And so for the people, Ron DeSantis must do this. He must do that. He must stand up for Trump in this way. He must fight this. He must fight. You don't have to do nothing. Mind you, we're still talking about a guy that hasn't technically declared. Like we all know. Yeah. But he's still technically not declared. If you're trying to run nose for nose with Trump from the opening gun till the end of the race, you're going to lose. DeSantis is doing it exactly right. Mm -hmm. He's saying all the right things. He's condemning the prosecutor. He's saying they're not going to participate. But you can't be Trump's errand boy because then you become subservient to Trump. No, he he is treading a very fine line, but doing a damn fine job of doing so. All right. So uh, Pat Fallon, uh, Pat Fallon is a representative from Texas, U.S. representative. He was on Newsmax the other night, said, uh, what I think we're agreeing with, Bragg is making Trump a sympathetic figure. Mm-hmm. What Alvin Bragg has done, and I think this is going to backfire horribly on him, he's made President Trump an incredibly sympathetic figure to some folks that maybe were thinking and looking elsewhere for who they were going to cast their ballots for in the primary uh, come next year. And this is a rallying cry to everyone because it is so incredibly unjust. I mean, I think that as a president politically, he did a very good job, an excellent job, and I'd love to see him serve for four more years. And I think this this is going to add fuel to that effort. Okay, so is the political calculus here for the Democrats, because this is a nearly unanimous take, especially from Republican talking heads, that this elevates Trump and improves his chances of winning the Republican primaries. Do Democrats want to elevate Trump because they think they can beat him again? Yeah, again, I think you are giving it. I think other people are too much credit to these people that there's actually some plot or plan or scheme or whatever. I think, and it goes back to what I've talked about, Ethan, 
about what Trump does to the electorate. And I've said this before, that Trump has a trigger effect on people mm -hmm. who otherwise would not be engaged or vote, who will go to vote against and will engage actively and oftentimes insanely against Donald Trump. And I think this is another example of that. And that's why I keep saying, and I know you kind of feel the same way that I do about this, Ron DeSantis is such a better choice because he gives you better Trump yeah. stuff. He gives you more consistent, conservative, liberty-minded Trump stuff than Trump did. And he comes with none of the drama, none of the continual baggage, and he comes with not enraging and engaging these lunatics that obsessively just live to follow Trump around and, and engage anytime Trump does anything. And if we're comparing performance on how these two executives handled the COVID uh, pandemic, yep. DeSantis beat Trump's out of the water. I mean, he runs circles, circles around him. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, Laura Trump, she is Trump's daughter-in-law. She is married to Eric Trump. She is weighing in on this. We've also got some interesting legal analysis from CBS that I thought was uh, maybe random, confused, accidental act of honesty. I thought they were pretty good about uh, laying out what will happen next. And can, would Trump potentially be able to be impeached over this if he becomes uh, president again? So that's coming up next. Ethan Hatcher in for Casey. It's 93 WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey Show, 93 WIBC. I'm Rob Kevins here, Ethan Hatcher from Saturday Night on the Circle in for Casey today. Let's continue on with what's going on with President Trump and the commentary and analysis thereof. Of course, if you've been hiding under a rock or uh, been uh, putting large things in your ears that enable you not to hear and have had... Uh, blinders over your eyes. Uh, you may not be aware the president was indeed indicted last night, or it came out that he's going to be indicted. Uh, 30 counts related to the Stormy Daniels incident, and it is believed that he will be arraigned on Tuesday. So it looks as now, now as though he's going to cooperate. We will see. But uh, spending most of our show today obviously talking about this very historical event taking place and giving you a lot of different perspectives on this, a lot of different voices on how the world is reacting to the president's indictment. One of those was Laura Trump. Now, she is a TV personality. She is married to uh, Eric Trump, the, the middle, the second son of or is he the third no he's the second yeah donald trump jr then eric trump doesn't matter either way anyway she weighed in on this and uh talking about the da uh brag saying he's a soros guy and the charges are what you'd expect from a soros guy to leave it to a Soros-backed DA, Alvin Bragg, to, of course, try to push this forward. This is basically just for his own grandiose image, obviously, yep. and we all know that. He wants to write a book one day. He wants, as you said, to be attorney general one day. He wants to promote himself and pump himself up. He knows that there is no law that has been broken here. It is not against the law in the United States of America right. to pay someone for a non-disclosure agreement. Everyone agrees on that. Everyone knows it. He knows there's no basis here. This is for him. This is to throw mud at Donald Trump. This is to, of course, as I just said, prevent yep. Donald Trump from ever becoming president of the United States. Again, the problem, Rob, is I think it's going to backfire on them. The problem oh, is it's... that people see this yeah. and they know our constitutional republic is slipping away. If you allow this to happen, they're going to come out and vote for Donald Trump. She's hit on something 
and she didn't mean to, or she didn't say it or use these words, but she, she raised, she, let me rephrase it. She raised a point that I would like to address, which is the idea of prosecutorial discretion. And the idea of prosecutorial discretion should center around a prosecutor saying, okay, here's what's actually in front of me, but what was the intent what actually occurred? Does it, did this person knowingly do something wrong? Would the average person have known this was wrong? Was the person trying to deceive or whatever? And it gives them the leeway to say, look, maybe not the best of choices, but I'm not going to throw you in jail because I wouldn't throw the average person in jail. That's the intent of that. However, in this case, you see prosecutorial discretion going the exact opposite in which this guy says, I am going to indict this guy on something. I'm going to figure out a way to get this guy indicted no matter how ridiculous it is. And my discretion says I'm going to indict a guy that should never be indicted. Well, what it reveals is the incredibly political nature of the indictment because, uh, you you know, clearly Attorney General uh, or not Attorney General, DA, uh, District Attorney uh, Alvin Braggs um, is very familiar with prosecutorial discretion because he elects not to prosecute (laughs) violent criminals all the time. So it's it shows you who he's choosing to prosecute and the uh, uh, the nature of the indictment. So one of the things now that everybody is asking about is what's next. And there's what's next from a legal standpoint. You know, when does he get arraigned? When is the mugshot? When is, is there fingerprinting? When, you know, when, when are, will all these things be taking place? How will they happen? But there's also the ramifications of what were to happen. Because let's say this, I think this case will ultimately be thrown out. But let's say it is still looming over Trump as he becomes president let's say he runs and he wins this case is not if it were to go to trial not going to be decided the next year and a half i mean geez you think this going to happen uh if he were to become president all the way in 2025 this oh, is going to be hanging over oh, his head I, there's no way there's no way they're going to try that in there's no there's no way this will go to trial before november 2024 if it does absolutely no way no way people with far less resources drag things out a lot longer than donald trump and quite honestly trump probably wants it to drag out that long because once you become president you can't indict Convict, as far as I understand, a sitting president. So he's basically home free for four more years. That's been a legal theory. I guess it would be time to well, put that to the test. Exactly. So this is my point. What what exactly can happen? And could a Democrat House of Representatives, could they impeach him potentially over this if he becomes president again? So CBS legal analyst, her name is Jessica Levinson. I thought she had a pretty good, a pretty measured response on those topics. A conversation, and this is a huge if, but if the former president becomes the next president once again, and if he could potentially be impeached for anything that we're talking about today. And John, I think the answer is that impeachment really deals with public crimes, crimes that only elected officials or people who hold some position of public trust can commit, but not private crimes like a DUI, for instance. And so one of the things, of course, we're looking at is to see what the DA fleshes out here when we do see the indictment. Now to your question of what's going to happen next. Well, there will be the indictment that will become public. We will know what the charges are. We don't know how much detail we will get on that indictment. There will be an arrest. And it's largely up to, I think, the parties involved as to how much of a circus this arrest is. So she seems to be of the 
opinion that because this was a private issue, he could not be impeached for that because it's a that is based on crimes in the office and public crimes of the office. So I thought that was interesting that she kind of came down on the side. He would likely not be able to be impeached for this. I mean, I'm sure the Democrats would try, but you want to talk about overreaching if they try to impeach over a misdemeanor charge. My well, is goodness. it any worse than a phone call, Ethan? You say that and common sense would say, uh, you know what, Ethan, uh, you're absolutely right. Is it any worse than a phone call or telling people on January 6th to go home? No. Yeah, I mean, it's just absolutely. All right, uh, Kev, real quick, I'm going to make you think on your, your toes here. They had that Sarah Palin audio that we pulled earlier. Um, Sarah Palin, of course, former vice president, uh, also just recently ran for U.S. House in Alaska. Um, she weighed in like many of the other people have weighed in. And here's what she had to say. There is no solid ground on which Bragg is standing. Absolutely none. And as you point out, the three main characters in this, including Trump, have all had the same story. This had nothing to do with campaign funds. And yet that is what Soros's man, his puppet, Bragg, is trying to get Trump on. So, uh, no, th- there's no solid ground, which makes it a little bit scarier even, Eric, if you consider that uh, there is a possibility that uh, this can continue and Trump could be ultimately uh, punished in a way that is solely unfair and we don't want to see. But um, knowing that there is no solid legal ground for them to charge him. And yet, um, obviously, that's where they're going. I think she's right. All right. Let's go ahead and take a break. And then when we come back, we've got your voicemails. I told you we would not forget the voicemails. Voicemails, a variety of topics people wanting to weigh in on. Ethan Hatcher is in for Casey today. Kevin's here. And I'm Rob. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. It's time to hear from you. Kendall and Casey present voicemails. Brought to you by QC Kinetics for non-surgical regenerative medicine treatments at 317-559-PAIN. I'm so sorry you have just reached my... It is the Kendall and Casey Show, our voicemail, 317-684-8444, 317-684-8444. So we got a voicemail, a call about somebody who is asking the same thing, sort of, that I've been asking for a long time. And this is actually true about Democrats. It's true about Republicans. This person is specifically asking about the Biden administration. But this is true about all labor layers of government. And that is, where does all the money go? And what do you people, by you people, I mean the people at the upper echelon of power, what do you do all day? Like, what actually takes place, and why is it that you can't seem to solve any problems? Take a listen. I'm a little annoyed today. I've, you know, the last since the Biden administration took over, I've noticed this with Mayorkas and this Jean-Pierre, that every time they're asked a question on what they're doing about something, it's always, well, we're looking into this, we're focused on this, we're, we're really looking at it, we're studying it. It's said it different ways of saying, well, we're just watching it happen. And no one ever calls them out on, okay, yeah, you're looking at it. What are you actually doing? What is physically being done? No one ever follows up with that. They just, oh, we're focusing on it. We're looking at it. We're studying it. Well, you know what? Since I was about 13 or 14, I've been looking at, studying, and focusing on the magazines I've found under my dad's mattress and 
It ain't done nothing to help the situation if you get my drift. So what are they doing? No one is asking that question to these people when they say they're focusing on it. They never say, what are you actually doing? Fair point. What 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 do they actually do? What do you people do all day? This is like an extended voicemail of that scene from Office Space. What would you say you do here? I know he's talking about Biden and et cetera. But let's take our elected officials here in Indiana. They knew a year ago, a year ago, Ethan, that these assessed values were completely out of control and ridiculous and were going to result in massive tax increases for millions of people in their state. They knew that. And what they do? Nothing. Other than, of course, badmouth me for having the audacity to tell you it was going to happen. They sat on their hands. They sat on their hands with their hands at their backside and said, He's a shock jock. He's just doing this for ratings. He doesn't know. There's no way he could know. Everybody with an ounce of common sense knew. Now what is it? Well, this is really complex. We got to look into it. What do you what were you doing for the past year? Why weren't you looking into it for the past year? What do these elected officials, Republicans, Democrats, state, local, federal, whatever, what the hell do they do all day, and why can't they fix easy problems? Rob, what is the impetus to cut the tax rates for hardworking Hoosiers when you're addicted to the fun money and you understand that they will vote for you again? That's a, You're absolutely right. And so this is the importance of, and remember, we have had this conversation for years, dating back to when you were the fabulous producer of the Rob Kendall Show, Sundays here on WIBC. The good old days. Uh, but the good old days. Younger, more innocent times for all of us in which we were saying six years ago, we were saying five years ago, you have to not vote for these people if they haven't earned your vote. Down voting is the best, is it, is it not the best, but it is one of the best ways to send a message. Well, what am I supposed to do if there's no good third party person running? Don't vote for them. Make them see that their vote total is less than everyone else's. Make them see that the race was a lot closer than it should have been. But when you play dead, when you roll over and play dead and go in there and vote for these people, regardless of what they've actually done to earn your vote because of some stupid, meaningless letter, this is the crap you get. People are finally waking up to it. And the worst thing that you could do for either party is picking, you know, just the Republican Party single vote Absolutely. or the Democratic Party single Absolutely. vote. Absolutely. All right. Uh, having a total brain cramp. I don't, Kev, what, how did I describe this next voicemail? This one's uh, called affordable housing. Oh, yes. Speaking in line with property taxes, this person pointing out how unaffordable housing is getting. I just wanted to bring up a quick point that uh, people seem to forget about. When our property assessments are inflated, shall we say, and our property taxes go up, you know that so-called affordable housing that all these caring politicians claim they're so worried about for us poor little folks out here? Well, there is no longer affordable housing. Just thought I'd bring that up. Thanks. Y'all have a wonderful day now. You are in the affordable housing business. You provide affordable housing to many, many people. She got a point. She's got an absolute point. Uh, many of my rents uh, since the pandemic have doubled, um, and I'm on the low side because in some cases around the city of Indianapolis, rents have quadrupled. 
Um, so there is an immediate impact and connection with not only the outrageous runaway inflation, uh, with the unconstitutional seizure of property, but also the continuous uh, increases on taxes. Like property owners are getting hit on all sides. And yes, when those costs increase for property owners, they get passed down to the people renting or buying the property. Here's the other thing you have to think about, too. And many people don't think about it at all. That's why property tax is such a great scam for the government, because they don't see their property taxes because it's paid into their mortgage. But the other thing that goes up when these home values go up out of control is your insurance. Because at the bank, you have to pay insurance to cover that home if something happens to it. The bank is not going to risk that. So it goes into your escrow. It goes into your mortgage payment. Your mortgage payment goes up because the cost to replace the home goes up. And, and that's a, that's another example people don't see. Your home payment is going up, and that doesn't even have anything to do with taxes. And property insurance rates have gone up as well. Right, exactly. So great point, and it is totally ridiculous to tell a person that has lived in their house for 20, 25, 30 years, who has been a good citizen of the community, has been a good steward of their property, has been a good steward of, the, of their, their street, that we are continually raising your taxes. Many people have seen their taxes double, Ethan, since 2018, and that is pathetic because the government certainly isn't getting twice as good since 2018. All right, uh, got a call. It's on a lot of people's minds these days about uh, transitioning and transforming and transing, and go ahead. Hey, Rob and Casey, my name's Sean, and I was calling on this whole transgender athlete um, issue. I'm curious why chivalrous males all over the country do not just decide to bombard all these competitions with applications for them claiming to be women. What do you think would happen if they had hundreds and hundreds of men all applying to be recognized as women? It would blow the system up, and we would quickly go back to having men's sports and women's sports, and there is no such thing as a transgender. Fair point. I think it overwhelmed the system. Yeah. Have you have you ever heard of a thing called Cotard's syndrome before? Ethan, do I look like a person who has ever heard of something called Cotard's syndrome? Well, possibly. You and uh, Casey were discussing the basic outline of the disease uh, just the other day where What's she that? was mentioning, you know, oh, I don't believe that I should have an arm. Go ahead and cut it off for me, doc. That's essentially what Cotard's delusion is, a mental disorder in which people believe parts of their body are gone or they are putrefying or and so, yes, it's like being a amped up version of a hypochondriac then like you've got to get rid of this thing because it's bad or because it's not there it's a delusion what <laughs> so wait i'm looking at my hand right now i would believe i don't have a you hand. don't have a hand and therefore if it's there well that's got to be copped off i don't have one that's a thing it's, huh? yes it is it is Wild. a strange disorder that was uh, uh first discovered in the 19th century but yes uh, and and i think the ultimate point here being that you should not follow through with those more bizarre mental impulses because it, it could lead to your own detriment and i think that we are in a place in society where we are massaging those delusions and validating them somebody just put this in our youtube chat by the way you can watch us over at kendall and casey on youtube Joey's uh, longtime 
watcher of the show. He doesn't sound like someone would lie. I'm going to read this to you, Ethan, and maybe you can confirm this. Inflation is so bad, McDonald's raised their soda prices for the first time in 20 years. Large drink had been $1.09 after tax, which is indeed true. It has been for a very long time. Now $1.41. Now, I was just in a McDonald's the other day, and it was not. It was still $1.49, so I don't know when this happened, but that that should be the end of it for everything yeah. in terms of getting inflation under control because the one thing we could always count on was the McDonald's cola being a dollar nine. So if someone can confirm that or unconfirm that, please let me know. But it is panic mode if indeed that is true. Yeah, sugar water shouldn't cost any more than a dollar. Uh, one more phone call, brain cramp. No idea. Surprise me, Kev. I love how they have the new passing of legalizing Narcan just for pickup and prescription at any available pharmacy, whatever. So now we're going to experience how many more umpteen overdoses on fentanyl and whatever opioid products because they're going to think it's okay. My buddy can give me a jab if I start to die. Yes. So this, yes, now I remember why we did this. So we had had a long conversation um, the other day, Casey and I did, about fentanyl, the increased use of uh, fentanyl, about uh, how it's killing 70,000 Americans now a year. It continues to go up. 70,000. I mean, it is such a pandemic. It is such a plague. It, it, the, the fentanyl stuff kills way more kids than guns if we're actually worried about killing kids. Um, and Biden is just totally asleep at the switch on this. And now, this happened Wednesday, so two days ago, the FDA approved an over, uh, over-the-counter Narcan. So Narcan is the drug you take if you've overdosed, you they shoot it in you. Law enforcement now carries it with them pretty much at all times um, in order to try to revive somebody who's dying of a drug overdose. And so this guy makes an interesting point, right? Maybe part of the reason that these things are happening so often is that people, especially the very avid users of these substances in question, recognize, well, if law enforcement gets here, they'll take care of me. They, you know, I don't have anything to worry about. I don't know. I want people's lives to be saved. But does he have a fair point that that is facilitating the um, the use of the illegal deadly drugs? Uh, I'm not sure it's facilitating. I think there is a duty to protect on the part of the officers. And when you run into somebody having a medical crisis, the first duty is to treat the crisis. And then you can go on with uh, charging crimes or as the need applies. Yeah, but there's a difference between saying, OK, law enforcement is going to have it. And now just you can just get it over the counter. That's a huge difference. I mean, these people could what? Theoretically be carrying them around with them at all times? Yeah, it's in my pocket, Fred. If I if I lose consciousness, well, it's in the pocket. Well, we just identified that more than 70,000 Americans are losing their lives to this every year. So yeah. it would be nice if a few more brothers, sons, daughters, uh, et cetera, you know, mothers, fathers weren't dead. It's very reminiscent of the needle exchange program that takes place here in Indiana. In which you say, okay, well, you don't want people using dirty needles, but if the idea I know I can get a clean needle whenever I want, well, then what's the deterrent of doing the deadly illegal drug? Well, the, but rates of infection went down with with those need, needle I, I needle get exchanges. it, but did drug use go down? Well, the, drug use is just going to stay the same. Well, oh, well, th- so we're <laughs> it, just done? I mean, what are we even doing here then? Well, it, I mean, it, you can't do anything about the gun crimes. I guess you can't do anything about the drug crimes either. You know, it's just out of our hands. Eh, you heard about this stuff. new street drug that uh, hit the street recently, uh, fentanyl killing 70,000 people a year. Have you heard of Trank? 
Of what? Trank. No, Ethan, it may surprise you. I've never heard of Trank. Well, I saw this on the Sky News about uh, drug users in Philadelphia. The oh. newest street drug to hit uh, hit hit the population is Trank, where they mix, uh, for those who, who fentanyl isn't potent enough, you can now mix it with horse tranquilizer. And oh. apparently it melts the flesh off of your legs. There are walking zombies around the streets of Philadelphia, and they understand it does it to them and will inject it anyway. Very reminiscent of when uh, bath salts kind of first hit the scene. Remember that? Wow. And everybody was walking around rotting like, oh, yeah, bath yeah. salts, new thing. Well, now it's Trank. Well, good times <laughs> for everyone. Ethan Hatcher in for Casey. It's Kendall and Casey Show, 93 WIBC. 7 a.m. waking up in the morning. Gotta be fresh, gotta go downstairs. What? Gotta have my bowl, gotta have cereal. Curry and everything, the time is It's Friday music. This is what you are going to subject our audience to this going out for the weekend? Yeah, I asked Ethan for a good Friday song to go out on, and this was his request. <laughs> this was popular, I think, in maybe 2011. Let's or- clarify. It was popular to make fun of, and it was just the first thing that popped into my head. <laughs> Do not close the show with that. You find oh, something else. There's a hook that we didn't even yeah, get who to. Who finds something else? I don't care what it is. Nails on a chalkboard or... <laughs> Hell, I don't even care if it's Taylor Swift. You just find something else. Katie what if Perry. it was Beatles? It's I uh, don't care. Okay. That's how oh, much I wow. don't like that. <laughs> it's the Kendall and Casey Show, 93 WIBC. Ethan Hatcher in for Casey today. Kevin's here, as we can all clearly tell. Uh, Ethan, you went to college, correct? I, I did. did. I you graduated. Graduated? With two degrees. Two? Yeah. Why did you do that? Because it was a custom design program for radio. I graduated with a major in communication and an uh, emphasis in electronic media and a minor in political science. Okay. So I have a degree that says that I know what I'm talking about. The degree says so. Do you feel, as now you've been an adult for many years and been out in the world, do you feel that that college degree was a good use of money and do you feel you got good value for the degree? Yes, um, it was the only way. You're moving your eyes in a manner that says no, even though your mouth just said yes. Well, None of what I actually got in college has been applicable to what I do on a daily basis. But I can say that without the college, I would not be here because I tried to worm my way into radio stations when I was but a lad of 16. And I understood they're not going to put me on the air. I'm just like, let me run your coffee. Let me file some paperwork. Uh Let me do something in the station. And the closest I ever got was a guy from WXNT who sighed and said, well... (laughs) If this was the olden days, you would be hired, but that's not how things went wet work now. And so he, what, what he did, and he gave me correct advice, he said, what you need to do is go march down to the University of Indianapolis. They have an excellent intern program, and it's basically a farm that sends broadcasters from you university to whatever radio station in the city they want to go. So wait, wait, talk, 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 talk. So this guy told you, because I was 18 and got an internship at the local radio station, I'm not that much older than you. I guess I'm, what, about seven I guess it was the older. waning days of those opportunities. So that guy just straight up, told, straight up told you, you, we only go through these sorts of programs Basically, to get started. You have people. to have the degree. You no think, kidding. You cannot get your foot in the door. I was told blank, blankly to my face. He's like, if this were olden times, your go-getter attitude would have gotten you a job, but that's not how things work in 2008. That's, that's when fa- I was 16. That's fascinating. So as you look back, and there's a reason I'm going to get to this in just a second, but as you look back upon that, are you glad? Because look, UND is not a cheap place to attend college. No, that's why I got my general education credits taken care of at uh, Ivy Tech. Yeah. So are you 
you also happy? Because I didn't graduate high school, so they wouldn't let me in. Are you happy you did that? You say I would do this again if I had the opportunity. Yeah. I would have done. It, the- it allows me to live the dream, Rob. I am in a very privileged position to basically do what I want yeah. all the time. I get a kick out of improving properties and making a difference in the renovations, which I do, you know, nine to five, yes. uh, Mondays to Fridays. And I love being a broadcaster and working at WIBC. And I get to hang out with cool people yeah. like you. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, so when you applied for this job here, did did our boss, Matt, go, I need to see your college degree? Yeah, I got I got this job through University of Indianapolis. Oh, I see. That's okay, how okay. that I'm telling you, Rob. That's how I got okay. the position here. Without okay. you, Indy, I would not be on WIBC. No. So was it worth it? Yes. Okay. It so now be. that's fascinating to me because I have been out of college now for let's see, it'll be 15 years in December, and I have never once been asked for someone to see my college degree. Did I graduate college? Uh, how did I do in college? Which sucks because on the dean's list, and I was really proud of that those transcripts and the letter, the, the nice letter that I got that said I was very smart. And I've never once been asked to produce any of it, and I've never once worked a job in which the degree I have was vital to or helped me in in said field. The advice that I give to potential college applicants is go in with a game plan, and that's the best advice I can give because I knew what I wanted to do with my degree. My degrees were planned around the job that I wanted to have and the job that. That yeah. I got. So if you have that game plan going in and you understand ahead of time that the degree is your bridge to get there, then it's worth it. If you're just getting the degree to, you know, kind of pad the resume, then yeah, I think there are better uses of your time. Yeah, I got a degree because there were a lot of people who I knew were not nearly as smart as me and I didn't want them to be able to go through life claiming some sort of edge over me because they had a college degree and I did not. And that sucks because that's a total waste of money and resources and time that could have been used doing something else, making money. But society now says and paints you in less of a light if, in many cases if you don't have a college degree. When I started at UND, I believe it was uh – $10,000 a semester. Oh, I bet it's more than that. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, I a think semester. So it's 20K a year. Yeah, 20K a year. That was I my think, entire degree, Ethan, was 20K. I think it's doubled since wow. then. Okay, so the reason I asked this is the Wall Street Journal has an article out in which they asked people uh, who have college degrees about their college degrees. And they had two ways they could answer this question. They could say it was worth the cost because people have a better chance of to get a good job and earn more income over their lifetime. Or they could have answered not worth the cost because people often graduate without a specific job skills and with a large amount of debt to pay off. And so there's, you know, good or bad, right? Yeah. Worth it or not worth it. And in 2013, 53% of people still said it was worth it, the affirmative. 53% in 2013, 40% said no. By 2017, that number had fallen to 49% saying worth it, 47% not worth it. Yeah, that's So st- still a majority, but but not by much. And as of now, 2023, this question has been asked, study has come out again, 42% said worth it, 56% said not. Well, let's pay attention to what happened since the federal government nationalized student loans. And there is a direct correlation with the increase of tuition costs and the fact that the free fun federal gov, you know, gov money is just flowing through these universities who have every reason to increase tuition costs to get the money. And that's why they'll take any, you know, uh, red blooded beating pulse through the door. Basically. Yeah. So this will, uh, was a Wall Street Journal uh, NORC poll. And again, think about this. So in just 10 years, 
16%, it has changed 16% now more people are saying, no, this college degree is not a good deal, not a good investment, not worth it, where it is now a clear majority of people are saying, basically, I'm getting ripped off by going to college. Yeah. Well, it takes you decades to pay off the debt. How long are you going to pay for? I don't. My dad covered my college oh! costs. Thank you, dad. Oh, you were. Thank out. you, dad. Yeah. <laughs> That was, that was one of the best gifts dad ever gave me. Uh, how did that conversation go? Did you have to ask for that, or did he say, as long as you get good grades and graduate, I will pay for the well, college? Well, now I get to brag, because he gave the same deal to uh, three of his offspring, all you know, all of the, the yeah. offspring, and I was the only one that came back with not one, but two degrees. So, wow. Ha-ha. Everybody else wasted his money? Everybody else wasted it. He didn't it. make In him fact, pay it back? My, no. Uh, well, he didn't He didn't pay for any more uh, uh, college. My uh, uh, brother, I, I don't want to smack talking, but he uh, flunked out of Ball State Ooh. in my dad's leg game over you can pay for it yourself but i'm yeah. not paying for you to flunk man i just think about so it cost me twenty thousand dollars i can't imagine what a same degree from indiana university would cost today i went to iupui but it, a degree is iu what that would there's no way you could do it for under forty thousand there's yeah. no way ten you could do it for less than ten thousand dollars a year i'm almost certain of that i mean you know i lived at home i went part-time i paid cash along the way bet I've you it's sixty thousand dollars a year i don't know but especially that, yeah. if you're li- living somewhere or whatever absolutely song. But it was fa- if you play that song, it's going to be the last day you're the producer of this show. I see <laughs> I'm, you I'm get trying get to decide if I should. You do better that or not, not, buddy. I don't know how bad you need a check, I, and you know I'm pretty easy to work with. But I'm just laying down the law here, Palski. <laughs> All right, we <laughs> we hope everyone has an absolutely phenomenal weekend. Ethan, thank you so much for filling in. You did a great job. Casey will be back Monday. Kevin. I'm going to go on a limb and say nice job this week. Please don't ruin it for me. Hope everyone has a very (laughs) safe and happy and healthy weekend. And I'm gearing up in anticipation for whatever button he's about to hit. (laughs) It was Kevin's last show. I had had the Katy Perry lined up for you, but I just decided I wanted to make you miserable. Kurt, don't encourage him. Everybody have a great weekend. Stay safe out there. We'll see you back Monday. Casey will be here. Tony Tony Katz coming up next. Kendall Casey on 93 WIBC.